Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. And today on the show, we have Wesley Yates. Wesley is a proud Marine veteran with over nine years of active duty service that brings a strategic outlook and goal-oriented mindset to the team. He has mentored and trained over 2,000 individuals for leadership and development roles. He was recognized in 2013 by Congressman Ralph Hall for his outstanding character and service to his community. He has a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in finance from the University of Texas at Tyler. In late 2018, he turned down an operations management opportunity with Amazon to begin actively networking within the real estate investing community. Quickly building relationships with other like-minded entrepreneurs, he has created an extensive network of accredited investors who believe in his vision for methodically acquiring commercial assets. Wesley is also an enthusiastic leader and brings with him skills crucial in building successful teams and driving performance. Wesley, super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor. And for our audience that's listening to this interview and they're coming across you for the first time, I'd love for you just to go into your background a little bit more and how you got started into real estate investing. Yeah, so real quick, got out of the Marine Corps after nine years of service and was kind of in that, oh, got to take a job had to fight for my, you know, my benefits and all that. It took two years before they even were like, oh yeah, hey, we found your stuff. Like they kept telling me I didn't exist. Started going to college, was uh, completed a, an actual engineering degree and then jumped into finance at the very end there. Um, so I have the bachelor's in finance, but the uh, interview with Amazon, they were ready to go. They were ready to get me started. Going to let me take over one of the facilities that they had just finished building up in Oklahoma City. And was excited about that. I was a single dad at the time and met a beautiful woman that is now my wife, but she was actually the one in real estate. And so went to one of her networking events and then went to another networking event. And then you can see it kept going, kept going. Eventually, I guess, caught a few eyes of some uh, entrepreneurs that were real estate investors and they invited me to one team and kind of dove right into that and was like, Hey, you're leaving a lot of meat on the bone and started offering my advice of all of that. And they were like, Oh wow. Which, you know, kind of trickled into the next thing, which trickled into the next thing. And by the time my start date rolled around for Amazon, I decided to say, you know what, I think I'm going to just go all in on, on me and chase down this real estate stuff, see what I can do out of that. And, uh, turned down the Amazon gig and, and went all in on real estate state and it's uh it's been a rocky ride but it's uh it's definitely fun to to get to wake up every day and you know chase my own dreams instead of you know go check in at a job and and build somebody else's so definitely enjoying how it's going so far and for the real estate space is there a certain type of asset class that you've been looking at that you've been interested in whether that's say multifamily self-storage mobile home park and then even you know down the fix and flip line as well so yeah, I started off wholesaling, 
uh, I think like most people do and, you know, kind of went from there to syndicating. Uh, that was going to be uh, multifamily, you know, your apartments, your typical value add space and did that for a little bit. Um, got invited to do some hospitality um, and f- had no experience doing any of this. Just was going to network events, meeting people and they were inviting me. And <laughs> I remember when I got invited to be a part of a syndication team, I actually asked like, do I need a license to do that? And of course that got me laughed at, but I was like, no, I'm kind of serious too. <laughs> do I? But just showed up, had no experience, didn't know what a single acronym was and just hit it, just hit it and just started talking with people, engaging with them, uh, exchanging information, exchanging, you know, contact information, following up with the right people, uh, surrounding myself with the uh, successful crowds and, and constantly just trying to be the dumbest guy in the room and learn from all the ones that are, you know, had been there, done that, um, that got me picked up, you know, just that mentality and that drive got me picked up by a a guy that does hotels. And from the first month of figuring it all out to the month four, we had three contracts. Uh, One was a Hilton, one was a Staybridge and one was for choice. So, and that was an interesting walk and, and picked that up and also had an invite to start consulting for property management for really hospitality management. Keep in mind, no background, had about four months under my belt at that point. But just how I looked at processes, how I looked at leadership and team development and was able to just dissect that industry's you know knowledge and just how I could uh, adapt what I knew to what you know, everybody else around me that were already in this industry knew and, uh, you know, playing my strengths uh, over my weaknesses and was able to still be a part of several teams. That got me invited to be a fund manager. So then from there, I was a a co-manager of a $100 million fund. And while in that fund, we were going after back after multifamily. um, And then kind of started a veterans and first responder training program where I was hosting uh, like a daily meeting and then it went to a weekly meeting and um, actually ended up building a team out of it. I just had a lot of, uh, you know, that synergy with those, you know, similar minded people with me. And we now have VFR Capital Investments. We officially started that and decided to pursue that October of last year, which is uh, 2020. And already have two properties under contract, uh, scheduled to close on one, hopefully next week, uh, supposed to close yesterday, but you know how things go. Uh, but we're ready to close that one and move on. We are focused primarily on multifamily value adds, you know, 1970s to 1990s. Um, we'll also are starting to move in, made some recent connections with some strong developers moving into the RV park space. Uh, as well as, you know, developing pre-existing and also developing multifamily. So wanting to expand within the uh, commercial real estate as best we can without dividing ourselves too thin so that we can, can't can still, you know, give that quality of service that we want to be known for. And for the properties that you're purchasing, are you looking in the state of Texas, you know, the surrounding states, or do you go, you know, outside, you know, that known area, say, in Tennessee or Ohio, or do you stay kind of local to your area? 
So primarily what we have under contract right now is uh, in the state of Texas. Some of our partners have uh, deals out in Alabama and Georgia. Um, we've started screening for pretty much anything across the Southeast. Um, we've really been leveraging the networks of, or teams that we've networked with and build relationships with. So um, we do have a very unique pipeline of how we leverage our team and our experience of bringing in off-market opportunities and really screening that. So we do start with looking at the market. So we don't necessarily draw ourselves to we're only going to work in, you know, DFW or just Texas or that. But if you, you know, if we get a hold of someone, they've got an off-market deal and, you know, let's just say Cleveland, Ohio. Well, I'm going to pull up all the market research real quick on Cleveland, Ohio, and see if, you know, look at the big area and zoom in to the sub market to, down to the block that that property sits on and say, okay, this meets all of our marketing criteria, you know, crime, job growth, you know, things, you know, things that everyone else is looking at, but really getting grainier on, on that market before we even start dissecting the, the asset itself. So yeah, it's crazy to me. So I've been looking to do my first multifamily do just on a smaller scale, one to four units. And while I'm in Massachusetts, numbers don't make a whole lot of sense. So I've been looking at outside of Massachusetts and then more towards in New York where my fiance's family is from. I have a real estate mentor and I've been sending him over these properties. And then it's crazy that I didn't even know, like he sends me the rentometer report. He sends me all these statistics on job growth. And it's just crazy to me how you know, I can be in Massachusetts and know everything about this specific town more so than the town that I'm currently living in, in the state. It's just crazy how much information is out there for anyone that's looking to, you know, expand beyond their, you know, local space. Because I always thought that it was, you know, you want to invest in your local area, but then not realizing that there's deals to be had, you know, all over the country. Yeah, no. And what we do to leverage the whole not being in there, we don't, we don't have to be there ourselves. But we will find that boots on the ground person that'll still be within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of our property that can go and, you know, hey, put out a fire if they need to. Um, and 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 really just kind of be that on, you know, eyes on site while we're, you know, kind of back here running all the numbers, doing everything on the back end. But with with the technology today and, and as we are right now on Zoom, I mean, we're several states away. We're still able to communicate and effectively, you know, acquire and operate uh, multifamily. So that's one thing that you just gotta, you gotta be able to adapt with the times and, you know, Zoom and the internet and all these electronic softwares now really do allow someone that's in, you know, Texas to be screening a deal as thorough as they need to be out in, you know, Augusta, Georgia. So um, just to kind of throw out a random you know, location, but you know, there is, I mean, we do a lot of research, you know, like you're saying, doing the market nomad, pulling co-stars, doing, uh, you know, doing all of the crime report, you know, having, having a few police officers on my team does help because they'll kind of call that local police officer and be like, Hey, look, do you patrol this area? Yes, I do. Tell me about this property specific. What do you know on that? We've done that a few times when we tour in a property, we'll see a police officer nearby we'll wave them down stop and be like, Hey, look, so, you know, he'll show his badge and we'll get the real scoop. And I, I mean, that's a good little trick to, if you're not doing it and you want to know the the down and dirty, what the numbers won't show, find a local police officer that patrols that area. They'll tell you, Oh, I get so many calls this. I get that. Or, Oh, that's just a quiet place. Great place. You know, I live like three blocks down from there. So uh, that's a good little trick to, to utilize is, people that are already in that market that know it well. 
An excellent point. And as you, you know, you've been in the real estate space and as you're exploring these different markets and these different opportunities, how have you been able to build a successful team? And you think that it comes from part of your background being in the Marine Corps? I think 100% of it is my background in the Marine Corps. I mean, that's something that I was very strong with doing in the military. Um, and I was just really good at it. I, I fall back on, I was a martial arts instructor for a good bit of time as a Marine. And I follow a lot of the strategies that we have for that, you know, explain, demonstrate, uh, imitate and practice. It's, you know, the four step edip that I break down a lot of stuff that, hey, I can learn something really quick, break it down how it makes sense. This and this whole if my brain can understand it, then I can relay it and teach it um, to everybody on my team. And, you know, I've got an analyst that's uh that's a former Marine, actually one of the guys I helped get into the Marine Corps over a decade ago. And he's, uh, he did five years in the Marine Corps, security forces, got out, was an archaeologist, went through school to be an archaeologist, really good at just analyzing, analyzing data. I was like, you know, I think you would be really good at, at underwriting through a few spreadsheets at him, been working with him almost daily for the last nine months. And I mean, he is, he's picked it up, he's got it and, uh, he's, he's a real leverage. So I think what I fall back on is really getting to know your team, know their strengths. You can't put a, a, you know, a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole and all that. You've got to know what people's strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how to utilize their strengths to, to put them in a role that's really going to capitalize off of those while you take the time to also come back and mentor and develop on their weaknesses. I try not to be the only point of, you know, information, education, and training uh, for my team. I try to encourage them, hey, here's a great networking event, or hey, here's a great podcast, here's a great article, and I try to share that with them that's specific to, you know, their role uh, on our on our team here. So just, but yeah, most of everything I do is stuff that I taught on how to build and develop teams from the from the Marine Corps. I think that's excellent. And let's say that there's a real estate investor out there that's, you know, they're on their own. They've been on their own. They're looking to build up a team. They start adding employees to their team. Have you ever encountered encountered an instance where you've added a team member and you knew, say, a month, two, three months in that they're probably not a fit? You know, maybe they're personality wise, maybe they're, you know, for whatever reason, have you ever encountered something like that? And if so, how are you able to sort of, you know, let them go or, or to get them to be on the same page as yourself? Yeah, so that's that's the hardest part about being a leader is is knowing when it's time to let somebody go. You know, and they have that saying, you know, hire fast or hire slow, fire fast. And um, you know, I look at these teams and I try to find a way to give them that mentoring, give them that coaching that they need, but it's at that point where it's you know, they both know. You you know, they know. I mean, you're not working with, you know, just kids. You're you're working with other, especially in my team. I like to on my team, we started off with a, with twelve and after this weekend we're down to five. But, you know, as we've kind of, you know, let some people go and say, Hey, look, this just isn't a good fit. We've got a certain quality, we've got a certain vision, and you know, we're just not seeing that. For the most part, as I've started to have that conversation. I would say a good 50% of them have have already stepped down before I could even, when I have that, Hey, can we talk, you know? And then they're like, Hey, look, I just don't feel like I'm pulling it. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the goal. 
I, I don't want to drag the team down and I, I think I need to just step down for now until I can, you know, have more time or, or get more training and then I'll come back. So for the most part they have, and I don't know if that's just unique to the, you know, the backgrounds that everyone comes from with us veterans and first responders and just, it's a really a team oriented mindset. And you know, like you're only as good as your weakest person. I mean, and, and knowing when you're the weakest person, you've got two options. You can crunch harder, figure it out, overcome it to, to step up and, and catch up to the, to the group and that pace, or you've got to bow out and wave the white flag and say, Hey guys, I can't keep up with y'all. And I'm not slowing down. And that's something I told everybody from that's anyone talking to me. I've had a lot of people, man, you're just going too fast. You need to slow down. No. Yeah. I just need to find people that can run at my pace. And that's something that I encourage everybody to really to look for. So if you're getting new into this, be cautious of who you partner with, be cautious of who you put your name with, but be quick to, once you know it's time to go and you've got that gut feeling, I've had to walk, as I just told you briefly, I've had to walk from a few opportunities because it wasn't the right fit for me. The team's uh, morals and ethics didn't align with mine. And now I'm leading my own team. I mean, I've been doing this for two years now. And, you know, that's a, that's a short period of time. I'm still technically a baby <laughs> in this industry, but I, I don't wait around for someone else to tell me I'm ready for that next step. I just take it and I figure it out. I mean, closing this deal, there were so many things that I was in charge of. I'd had no training, had no education, but I just wanted it. And I wanted it bad enough that I figured it out. Now, something that we're starting to do as far as VFR is we want to give back. We've got a lot of connections. I mean, we've put two deals under contract. We're getting ready to close. We want to keep that momentum where we are able to do a close about every 60 to 90 days. And we want to partner with people that are trying to figure it out, need to show the ropes, can't necessarily afford, you know, a thirty, forty thousand uh, $40,000, you know, education course to learn all this. We'll show you what what we can do, find your strengths. And if you've got, especially if you've got a deal in hand already, um, we'll help you dissect it, show you some of the things that we look at that are, you know, conservative, but at the same time, realistic and, and be happy to partner with you and take that down where, you know, we can help you take some deals down. So that's something that I'm excited that I think uh, the second half of this year, we're really going to be focused on trying to really give back. And, you know, share some of our strengths, some of our our findings and our strategies to other teams and, and partner with them and create win-win opportunities um, to help others to where, you know, we can be their training wheels getting started. And then when they don't need us, you know, I don't I'm not going to sign a no compete. I'm not I'm not that I just want to see other people successful. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of markets and there's plenty of deals out there. But one thing I love about syndication specifically is it can be a team. It can be a team and it ain't just, you got to be a part of mine, but two teams can partner and, and really be greater for it. So, but yeah. And for these syndication deals that you're putting together, are you raising capital you know, from your team? Are you raising it from friends or family members? Or are you just going out to outside investors and then going along with that, as you mentioned, you know, someone like yourself who, you know, as a couple of years into the business and trying to, let's say you are pulling out outside investors money, how are you able to attract that given, you know, a newer track record than 
you know, say someone that's been in the business 20, 30 years? Yeah, so we do raise capital. Um, what we usually will tend to do is one of our co-sponsors on a deal will be the capital raiser. Um, and we kind of, I've, I've learned from my past mistakes, you never want to be down to the that final week and not have enough money in the bank. Mm -hmm. So what we tend to do is the, those that are stepping up and saying, hey, I will be the lead or a lead on the capital raising, we want to make sure what they feel confident in is two times your actual raise. So if we're trying to raise a million bucks, I want to have amongst the co-sponsoring team the the capability of raising two million. Um, so that's really where I'm at there. As far as how to attract, I mean, nothing sells like success. And if you're getting into this and you're new, even where I'm at right now, I don't have the, the, the scheduled real estate and the track record and the experience that some other people do. Um, so you got to find that and, and you got to partner with that and you got to be willing to, to bring something to the table so that, that, that person that's got 2000, 3000 doors under their belt sees an opportunity in working with you. And, We've uh, we've worked with a few other co-sponsors. One that's very popular in the DFW area and the Southeast is George Brew and Eric Bodywala over at the Elevate team. And we've partnered with them on two deals. So that really does help us say, hey, look at us. We've got the operations. We're a very good, strong, moral team. But where we're weak at is our door count. So what do we do? We slap Elevate next to our name and, hey, they've got, you know, 3,000 doors in their pipeline. Boom. So when they look at us, they're like, oh, these are some good looking guys. I like your backstory. Oh, wow. There's the weight. There's the heavy hitters. Yeah, we'll give you a shot. Here you go. So and that's something that we can bring too. if you've got a deal or if you're wanting to get into this, we'll leverage our networks to make sure we can put together the right team for a job and, and really take tackle it, uh, you know, case by case. That's that's perfect. And, and I want to hop into, let's say, that you know you're looking at a property that's out there and even if the power pretty does cash flow and the numbers look you know let's say that they do make sense is there a reason i know you mentioned earlier and sometimes you may come across a deal and you know it just doesn't isn't the right fit for your team do you mind just taking us through the process and what that looks like when you're analyzing a deal and that even though it may still cash flow that still may not be a right fit for you to you know start putting it out there and investing capital towards it yeah so we put a lot of time in this. I mean, from October of last year to March of this year, we had underwrote over six and a half billion dollars worth of real estate. Um, that was about an average of a hundred deals a month. And it was a lot. It was a lot. And through that, it was really building out our processes, trying to find, you know, key little indicators to see what deals were going to work for us, what deals weren't. Now we've tweaked down on what we do. And, you know, we try not to have more than five in the pipeline at a time because what we have is straight off market. We're either working straight to the seller or with the seller's rep and it's off market. So we're trying to move quick on it, you know, and get all of our stuff. But just because it's cash flowing doesn't necessarily mean it's a good deal. Uh, you've got to make sure it's meeting your investors criteria, you know, showing the returns. Uh, you know, a lot of them will look at a certain cash on cash, uh, an IRR and a total um, return on investment. You've got to know what your investors are looking for before you can even say a deal is going to be working for them or not. But you also got to make sure that you're not being too aggressive, that you're not even going to be able to hit those minimums that they're looking for. 
So you've got to play all of those things into, you know, what is your debt? What's going to be your capital stack? You know, what's your, your debt service looking like for that property? And a lot of that, that the a lender looks at is the location of the deal. They look at the, the current condition of the property, what it's cash flowing at. And then they also look at your team, you know, all of those things amongst the, a few others really go into effect on what kind of terms you get, what kind of leverage you're able to get on a deal and can affect a, a lot to do with, you know, your, your in final product and your in final pitch on that for the, for those, uh, your summary of uh, returns. So how we really do is we make sure if it works for us on how we see it, it's just based off of the market averages of what we've seen in that area, we go out and we do the tours and then we get uh, several debt quotes on it from lenders that we know that have, you know, we've closed deals with in the past. And we also look at getting a very strong property management company that's managing in that area that will come look at the property, look at the numbers, do all of their research and then give you their performer where they at. So I don't share too often like where I see the property is. I want to give the property management company all the information that I came to my conclusion on and then let them tell me. And usually we've gotten to the point where we're almost within five bucks of the rent rates and the performer rent rates. And, and that's really important. And having, you know, elevate amongst other strong construction background teams that are going to able to, you know, hey, give you a good, you know, summary of your capex and your cost and the breakdown. Um, that really helps us a lot. So you've got to make sure you're doing all your research on the cost versus just the price. So, yeah, I think that's that's perfect. But Wesley, I want to be respective of your time today. And as we come towards the end of this interview, I just had a couple additional questions that I wanted to ask you. And the first question I wanted to ask you is, do you happen to have a favorite real estate investing or business book that you'd recommend for our audience to check out? Yeah, if you're doing syndicating, I would say the best book that helped me answer just all the stuff was, of course, Joe Fairless's best ever syndicating book that has probably the best breakdown of everything as far as what I've read. But it's, to me, I'm more of a mindset guy. I mean, knowledge can be learned in the process, but if you don't have your mind right going into that battlefield, you're never going to be successful. The first time you hit a hurdle, the first time you hit a wall, you're going to quit. So the one of my favorite books that I like is, is You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And David Goggins is a SEAL that, and he talks about his journey uh, of, of how he, what it took for him to become a SEAL and all of his that. But there's one specific there's one specific chapter in that book that talks about kind of dealing with that man in the mirror and you got to be real with yourself, you know, and, and I'm one of those, I can't, I can't just take the whole, Oh, it's okay. You'll figure it out. No, I'm the exact opposite. I've got to be like, don't be a lazy piece of crap. You got to figure this out. Don't, you know, don't let everybody else put you down. Don't be that, you know, turd. I don't, so, I mean, I get real with myself and I shoot, I flipped down my visor a few times driving down the road and just looked at that little mirror there and just started, you know, giving myself that, you know, that drill instructor type, you know, you're a turd, don't be a turd type stuff and quit. Oh, you want to talk about being tired? You can, you can rest whenever you're at the top of the hill. Let's, let's climb. And that's, that's just how I get my mind right. And, and that was an awesome book. I love that book. 
Um, if David Goggins ever hears this interview and wants to connect, I would be more than happy to. That guy is overly motivated. So <laughs> uh, good stuff. But that's where I would be. Yeah, I can definitely attest and, and recommend that book. I remember hearing him on a podcast. I think this was before his book came out and just hearing his story and, and how fascinating it was. And I just remember he had that story where he ran um, around the track, for, I think, for 24 hours straight and his like legs and his feet were broken. Or just, I, I haven't read it in a while, but I just remember it being such a crazy story. And then obviously when you see photos of him and I think he was working at a pest control company and he was overweight and then obviously becoming a SEAL. And now I think he does ultra marathons through the deserts in oh, California. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a crazy book and definitely an excellent one for the mindset for those who are listening. And I will say this, I, I know most people are like, read the book over audio. That is the one exception. I will mm -hmm. say that is the one exception. And if you listen to the audio version of that, they pause it periodically throughout the book. And it's a live interview with David and they will be the, the narrator stops and goes, wow, can you give me a little bit more backstory? So you oh, wow. get an interview along with the book being read in that audio version of it. Highly recommended. A lot of little tips and tricks and behind the scenes of, uh, of David from David of the, of that story. So recommend that for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check out the audio version for myself because I've I've listened to him on podcasts and as I mentioned, read the book, but never listened to the uh to the audio book. So I definitely have to check that out. But Wesley, last question today is where can our audience find you? Yeah, so you can of course find me on Facebook, Wesley Yates. Uh we do have a Facebook team for us, VFR Capital Investments. Um, that's on our Facebook, LinkedIn. But if you just want to email me directly. Uh, with any, you know, any questions or just kind of chat, it's Wesley at VFRCapitalInvestments.com. And that is V for veteran, FR for first responder. So that's where you can find me. I'd be happy to chat with anyone, set up a time. And if there's something that we can do to uh, help you be successful and close your first deal, that's what we're here for. Awesome. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes of today's episode once it goes live. And Wesley, thanks again for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me, Trevor. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.